0: Former Japanese Prime Minister Shinzo Abe is assassinated. Liberal parents in blue areas panic as the trans social contagion takes over classrooms. And Joe Biden hands a medal of freedom to the greatest living American, Megan Rapino. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. Today's show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Do you like your web history being seen and sold to advertisers? No, me neither. Get ExpressVPN right now at expressvpn.com. Slash event. We'll get to all the news in just one moment. There's some big breaking news today. First, the American public is getting pinched right now by incredibly dumb left-wing policies that have generated high costs for literally everything. This includes your cell phone bill. And the simple fact is you're paying too much for gas, you're paying too much for groceries, and you are paying too much for your cell phone coverage, especially because you're paying for data that you're not going to use. The big guys will sell you these big packages, and they'll tell you, you need all that data. You probably don't. And the reality is that you're really paying for all of the marketing that they are doing to you. This is why you should switch over to Pure Talk. Pure Talk. Talk. Gives you talk, text, plenty of data for just 30 bucks a month. No price increase. I'm a Pure Talk customer. They're the most reliable network in America. Their 5G coverage is great because they share towers with one of the big guys. Plus, they're a veteran-owned company with a customer service team based right here in the United States. Stop giving your money away to Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile. Switch to my guys over at Pure Talk to make it super easy with a no-risk money-back guarantee. So you got nothing to lose. Head on over to puretalk.com, select a plan, enter promo code Shapiro, save 50% off your very first month of coverage. You can literally be switched over to Pure Talk service in less than 10 minutes. Go to puretalk.com, enter promo code Shapiro, that's puretalk.com, enter promo code Shapiro to get started. Well, shocking news today, former Japanese Prime Minister Shinzo Abe was murdered in broad daylight. He was giving a speech when he was shot twice, apparently, from behind. He was shot in the chest and near the neck by a person who is apparently in the Navy at one point. That's pretty much all we know about him at this point. The man approached him from behind as he spoke in the city of Nara, according to witnesses, authorities, and video footage. He was 67 years old. Gun control is extraordinarily strict in Japan. There's almost no gun murders in Japan. This particular gun appears to have been homemade. It almost looks like a couple of barrels that were strapped to a a piece of wood. And this person approached Abe from behind. There is security present. Security doesn't react to the person in the video. You can see it on the video. He was basically non-responsive at the scene. He was declared dead about five hours later. Doctors attempted a blood transfusion, but they were unable to stop the bleeding. There are serious questions as to exactly why Abe was shot at this point. A lot of speculation out there as to why Abe was shot. His legacy is pretty rich for a politician in Japan. Japan, of course, has had a pretty rough go of it over the past couple of decades. They had massive stagnation of the economy in the 1990s. Abe was was famous for involving himself in what he called the Abenomics which was essentially Keynesian stimulus packages. It was supposed to be combined with restructuring of the social security system because Japan has serious demographic problems. Their reproduction rate is well under one. It's a population that is rapidly aging. They don't have enough money to pay all of their bills. Abe never really got to that part of the economic plan. His Keynesian stimulus seemed to jog GDP growth, at least mildly, although that did not solve any of their underlying problems. But What he was most famous for in Japan, and at least in the region, was being very nationalistic. So for that reason, there are a lot of, more right wing politicians around the planet, including President Trump, who were very gracious about Abe. They would have been anyway, obviously, if he had not been a member of the right wing. But he was a more right wing politician in terms of his nationalistic fervor. He famously attempted to pull Japan out of treaties that made it impossible for Japan to defend itself. After World War II, Japan was essentially disarmed by the allied world. And he was, Abe was attempting to rearm Japan, at least in the face of of Chinese predations. According to the Wall Street Journal, he was a divisive figure who championed a more muscular military and wanted to revise Japan's pacifist constitution, but failed to win enough political support to do so well in power. He was a nationalist. He thought Japan shouldn't keep apologizing for its past colonization of other a- Asian countries. He emphasized close ties to the United States. He developed a friendship with former President Trump. He bolstered the nation's defense with new weapons and new amphibious forces and a law allowing Japanese forces to cooperate more closely with the United States outside of Japan's borders. He had a pretty fraught relationship with President Obama, but a pretty warm relationship with President Trump. After he stepped down as prime minister in 2020, according to the Wall Street Journal, Abe said that Japan should discuss the possibility of sharing nuclear weapons as is practiced by NATO, challenging a nuclear taboo in Japan since the country was the target of U.S. nuclear attacks in 1945. Of course, the reason that he would want nuclear sharing is that he could deter any sort of invasion or predation from the Chinese government. Shinzo Abe was a, a very muscular defender of the idea of Taiwanese independence. In March of this year, he did a long interview at the Hudson Institute in which he talked about Taiwan. Abe said Xi Jinping is consolidating his power base. He's no longer hiding his ambitions toward Taiwan. By the way, as all of these tributes are flowing in from other countries to Abe, one place that has provided no tribute at all is China. China is not interested at all in uh, in. Paying homage to Abe. Abe is worried that as Xi makes political gains in Beijing, according to the Hudson Institute. Unification with Taiwan, either by force or otherwise, may not be far behind. This is a view also held by some who foresee a PRC invasion of Taiwan as possible within just a few short years. Though a similar feeling of imminent invasion may not be held by those actually living in Taiwan. Disputed territories in the South China Sea or the Senkaku Islands may also be Xi's next target. And that's why last year, American and Japanese officials underscored the importance of peace and stability across the Taiwan Strait in a joint statement. It's also why Taiwan has become a major focus for Shinzo Abe's vision for a free and open Indo-Pacific. His concern for Taiwan, according to the Hudson Institute, was not new. He saw his efforts to make stronger Japan-Taiwan relationship as 28 years in the making, starting when he was first elected to the Japanese diet in 1993. He said, years ago, there were many people who had learned and were very literate in Japanese at the center of the political, economic, and social fabric of Taiwan. My view is that we need to be able to maintain this very pro-Japan atmosphere that is prevailing in Taiwan. So there's a lot of speculation that China may have something to do with all this. Of course, that is pure speculation at this point, And we don't actually know what the motive was for the murder of Shinzo Abe. But whenever an international leader is murdered this way, that is a shocking story. And we'll keep an eye on it, obviously. But meanwhile, a lot closer to home, the social contagion that is gender ideology has begun to bear its hideous fruits. I mean, the confusion and the destruction of children, which is, not of course, the goal of gender ideology. Gender ideology is, is not really even about building a utopian world for the collective. Marxist utopianism is about building a Marxist world utopia in which greater equality will usher in a new era of mankind when we will all change how we think. We'll think more collectively, more communally. We'll be nicer to each other. We'll all recognize that everybody's success is our own success and all of the rest of this. It's a, it's a sort of beautifully naive vision of how the world works and what humanity can become if only we shift our economic structures, Marxist utopianism. Gender ideology is something different. Gender ideology really has very little concern with the collective per se. Gender ideology instead suggests that the thing that is most important is your subjective sense of sexual well-being. That is the only thing that matters. And here's the thing, that subjective sense of sexual well-being must be cheered, celebrated, fomented by society at large. That's the way that society is implicated. Society is not implicated in that it must leave you alone. That would be a libertarian argument. Instead, gender ideology suggests that in order for you to live your best life, in order for your emotional well-being to be secured, everyone must celebrate you. And the problem is, for the gender ideologists, that adults who have the capacity to reason and have prefrontal cortexes are really, really bad at accepting this idea, mainly because it runs directly counter to all evolutionary biology as well as reality itself. The, The notion that men and women are not different that these categories are innately malleable, that people can identify as whatever they want to be. This is a pure fantasy. And it's an ugly fantasy at that, by the way. It undercuts the beauty of the difference between men and women. It undercuts the beauty of the heterosexual relationships that have kept society functioning and alive and reproducing for literally hundreds of thousands of years. And gender ideology is truly hideous. And it's truly narcissistic and selfish. And so the essence of that is cramming this stuff down on kids. Because if you can't get adults to buy into it, because adults are too well-developed mentally to buy into the idea that a woman can have a penis, then all you have to do is get a bunch of kids to believe this sort of thing, and they will clap for you. And this is why you see so many TikTok videos of adult teachers talking about how they are so happy when their kids validate them. As I've said before, if you are looking for validation from a child, this means that you're a bad adult. Adults do not seek validation from children. They seek to guide and civilize children. Adults who seek validation from children have something wrong with them. If you're going around thinking, well, at least the seven-year-old really approves my sexual lifestyle, you have a problem that requires some sort of uh, psychiatrist or psychologist to sort out. And you're doing damage to children. And so the entire gender ideology movement has now been targeted at kids. This is not a, a side effect of the gender ideology movement. It is the goal and purpose of the gender ideology movement. It must be crammed down on kids because kids are malleable. They don't understand things. They need to have distinctions taught to them. This is what all of teaching children is about. It's what most of parenting is about. It's about setting rules and providing roles and providing stability. Kids without stability fall into chaos, depression, and suicidal ideation. This is true whether you're talking about a society that approves widespread divorce or whether you're talking about a society that approves widespread single motherhood or whether you're you're talking about a society that foments the idea that boys can be girls and girls can be boys. Chaos is the enemy of the mental stability of small children. And yet we now have an entire society that is predicated on the notion that we must indoctrinate kids in this idea. So as to protect the gay kids or to protect the transgender kids, when the reality is that there's no such thing as a gay five-year-old, there's no such thing as a transgender five-year-old, they are just five-year-olds. There are five-year-olds, who, some of whom have mental dispositions in one way or another that have not fully manifest because they're five. And there are a bunch of five-year-olds who are just easily confused because they are five years old. But this attempt to protect the kids by burning down all the kids is having some pretty significant ramifications. And of course, the the key cog here is that you must hijack parents into this. You must cudgel parents into this. You must use social pressure via the media, via via, via social media, via communal pressure to tell parents that the best form of parenting is to teach their kids this crap. And then you call them bigots when it turns out they don't like that their little boy is coming home and telling them that he's a little girl. And you're starting to see people on the left realizing, oh, wait. Oh, like liberal parents in liberal areas who have been told that the height of morality is not teaching your kids civilized values or Judeo-Christian tradition. In fact, that is hemming them in and ruining them. You have parents who have been taught that the height of morality is plunking one of those dumb lawn signs in their lawn. In this house, Black Lives Matter. In this house, trans women are... With. You plunk one of those lawn signs down and now you're basically like Moses on the Mount. You're like Jesus walking across the waters of the Galilee. Like this, is, this is what you are. You're, you are the greatest human... You're godlike. You actually have godlike morality handed down to you on high from GLAD that explains to you that you are a more virtuous person if you cram this crap down on your kids. And then the parents look and they say, wait, my kid is confused. My kid is depressed. My kid doesn't understand what's going on around them. My kid is making claims about reality that are not true. What do I do? And then we have to cudgel you because you've said the unsayable. Then we have to have a malice struggle session. So it is a several step process. One is all the gender ideologues who believe that they're narcissistic sexual self-satisfaction is the only thing that matters on planet Earth and that it amounts to the center core of their identity. Those people, they require the hijacking of the next generation. They do not even hide this. They make clear that this is a goal. In order to make that happen, they have to cudgel other parents into doing their bidding for them. They have to get the parental consent in order to corrupt the kids. And so to that end, they use all of the power that they have in the media and with their liberal allies in the media and people who generally dislike Judeo-Christian tradition in the media which is a wide swath of them, to cram down social pressure on parents to teach their kids this stuff. And then if the parents rebel, then you call them bigots. And shockingly, this is ending with the in, the perversion of an entire generation of kids who are going to, the rates of suicidal ideation in this society are going to be extraordinary. They're already really, really high right now. Wait for about five years. In five years, the suicidal ideation, depression rates, the, the mental illness rates in this country are going to be just ex- They're going to be enormous. They're going to be. There is no way to avoid them being enormous. You have thrust chaos and insanity and overt denial of reality on a bunch of young kids. And then you've celebrated them for that. And you've told everybody that if they resist, they will be steamrolled by the society, by corporate America, by the media, by their peers. Things are going to get really wild really quickly. And you're starting to see some liberal parents waking up to this, but they won't go all the way. See, this is the thing. They understand that what's happening to their kids is bad. But they've so bought into the idea that their virtue is tied up in repeating the idiotic nostrums of gender ideologists. And they're not willing to go all the way and just say, listen, I'm taking my kid out of this crazy progressive school in Brentwood and sticking him in a Catholic school. They'll never do that. They'll never do that because God forbid kids should learn something about, say, the Old or New Testament. That would be truly perverse. You can't let them do that. Instead, teach your kids that a boy can have a vagina. That, that, clearly, one of those things is more damaging than the other, and it's the, you know, thousands of years old tradition that has fomented the rise of the greatest civilization in world history. That's the thing that's really, really dangerous. According to these folks, if you are given a choice between teaching your kids the values that have preserved and created Western civilization and teaching your kids a bunch of gobbledygook garbage developed in the 1960s by predators, you should probably teach the latter because you wouldn't want to damage the kids or anything. If all of this stuff is enough to keep you up at night, well, let me just explain one way where you can get the sleep you need. You need bull and branch sheets. So you have a great mattress. You got a great bed. Everything is set to go, and you find yourself tossing and turning at night because the sheets that you got from that local gas station because they had a high thread count, it turns out they suck. This is why you need great sheets, the best sheets. This is why I have only Bull and Branch in my home. Bull and Branch sheets aren't just buttery, breathable, and impossibly comfortable. They get softer with every single wash. Forget thread count. Bull and Branch gives you thread quality. It doesn't matter how many threads your sheets have if they aren't the best threads possible. They've got those signature hem sheets from Boland Branch. They're a bestseller for a reason. These are the highest quality threads on earth for superior softness and a better night's sleep. Sheets made with threads so luxurious, they're beloved by three U.S. presidents. Plus, one thing I like about the signature hem sheets, they actually fit your bed. Most most irritating thing about other sets of sheets is that very often you put that, fitted sheet on the mattress, and then halfway through the night, like your face is directly on the mattress because it's pulled up off the Bolland Branch doesn't do that. They cut the sheets exactly how they're supposed to be cut. And again, they are great. They go through the wash a thousand times and they feel better every single time. They're 100% free from toxins, no pesticides, formaldehyde, or other harsh chemicals. They fit the deepest mattresses. They're labeled with top and bottom tags. So making your bed is super easy. And they give you a 30 night risk-free trial with free shipping and returns on all orders. So head on over to their annual summer event. Bolin Branch is giving my listeners exclusive early access before anyone else to 20% off with promo code Shapiro at bullandbranch.com. This is their best offer of the year before the holidays, so act right now. That is bullandbranch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com, promo code Shapiro for 20% off. That's bullandbranch.com, promo code Shapiro for 20% off. I mention all of this because there is a series, a spate of pieces that the, the dam is beginning to break on this sort of stuff. There's a piece over at Substack, and here is the, it's from Parents with Inconvenient Truths About Trans. Here is the piece, quote, a quarter of the girls in my daughter's class identify as transgender, seven out of 28. Hey, now, let me just stop right there. When it comes to transgender identification, historically speaking, it was typically male to female. Typically, it was male. As Abigail Schreier talks about this in her book, Irreversible Damage. Typically, it was young men. Now, it is predominantly young women. That's because it is a social contagion. As Lara Lipman over at Brown University has pointed out, this is called rapid onset gender dysphoria. Essentially, what it means is that a bunch of girls who feel uncomfortable in their bodies which by the way, describes nearly all teenage girls are told by society that if you feel uncomfortable with your body, particularly during puberty, when things get really dicey for young girls, I have three younger sisters. When it comes to puberty and girls, things get very confusing for girls. They get confusing for boys in a different way. They get very confusing for girls. Girls feel very uncomfortable in their own bodies very often. And they are taught by the gender ideologists that this means they might actually not even be a girl. So, if you take a normal girl who feels confused by puberty, who feels confused by the development of her own body in new and extraordinary ways as she develops into maturity, if you take that girl and you say, "Listen, you feel like uncomfortable because of chubbiness, or because you're menstruating, or because uh, hairiness, or be- because all the things that are associated with puberty," when that stuff happens, the reason you probably feel uncomfortable, and the reason you feel it because of the hormonal rush that you get when you're when you, you're now entering puberty, when all of this happens, it might be because you're a boy. And then you send these girls to some sort of gender clinic or without any sort of screening protocol. They just give them testosterone, which, by the way, promotes aggressiveness and confidence. Then you have now convinced an entire generation of girls that they are boys, which is insane and damaging. And if you take it all the way, it leads to full scale surgical mutilation and sterilization. There is no evolutionary biological basis for the proposition that suddenly a tiny percentage of the population. We are talking about one in 100,000 people who used to have gender dysphoria. Now you're talking in this class about one quarter of the kids. So not one in 100,000. That'd be 25,000 in 100,000 saying that they have gender dysphoria if you applied the rates of this classroom to the general rates of gender dysphoria at large. So according to this columnist, a quarter of the girls in my daughter's class identify as transgender, seven out of 28. When I said that on Twitter recently, I was roundly attacked for being a TERF who makes up ridiculous stories to harm trans people. Well, I may be a turf. I did not make this up. A quarter of the girls in my kids' class identify as boys. One of them has had four names this year, all from an anime series. I keep seeing people say, both on the Hellsite site Twitter and in the population media, that the trans population is a tiny minority, less than 0.1% of the population. If that is true, what is going on at my child's school? What has made the number of trans-identified girls in one-year group grow from a constant zero pre-pandemic to 25% now? And by the way, it is, it is as Bill Maher has correctly noted, but I've been noting for far longer, This is geographically ill-distributed. Heavy blue centers, massive trans ID. Red centers, not even close. Which means that this has very, very little to do with biology because you do not have an evolutionary bottleneck in Los Angeles in which, like everyone who had a recessive gene for gender dysphoria suddenly reproduced in LA over the course of the last three years. That's not how any of this worked. Here is my theory, says the columnist, and I know this will be a familiar story for many parents. The first issue is what the school is teaching kids. My daughter's trans identity started when the school taught us a module on identity, during which they told a group of 11-year-olds that if you feel uncomfortable in your body, it means you are transgender. My daughter had just had her first period two months prior to this class. Of course, she was feeling uncomfortable in her body. She went home, looked up transgender on TikTok, and that was it. She was now trans. The second issue is a related one. And that has to do with the school's nonstop celebration of LGBTQIA plus to minus divided by sign identities. I used to be proud that my children attended a progressive school that is anti-racist, inclusive, and believes in social justice. We chose the school for these qualities. But in the last two to three years, this has meant a relentless stream of identity flags and rainbows. Transgender heroes like Jazz Jennings are worked into any part of the curriculum that they even vaguely fit. This is a school for a kids aged nine to 13. I'm no prude, but I don't think a constant parade of sexual politics is appropriate for such young children. By the way, this there's one phrase in there that is so telling about where our society has has now gone. Quote, I'm no prude. I'm no prude. That's the worst thing you can say about somebody is that they're a prude. If you say somebody is a prude, this this is akin to suggesting that they are a Puritan who burns witches. So if you suggest that traditional sexual values are good, that men and women exist, that the proper place for sex is within a healthy marriage, that bearing and rearing children is a good thing, this now makes you a prude. And if you don't actively teach this to 11-year-olds, then you have to deny that you're a prude because we wouldn't... Wouldn't want anybody to think you're judgmental now. Wouldn't want, okay, here is the judgmental truth. Gender roles are good. Boys and girls exist. Boys and girls should be taught that gender roles are good and that boys and girls exist. They should be taught that heterosexual relationships are a good thing that leads to the reproduction of the species and that the most important thing they will do in life is to bear and rear the next generation of children. These are all good things. And the fact that we even have to say them demonstrates that our society has run not only off the rails, Our society is that train at the end of Back to the Future 3. It is now suspended in midair over Eastwood Ravine. The third issue, says this person, and writing anonymously, of course, because if you wrote not anonymously, you'd be attacked as, as a prude or a turf or a bigot. The third issue is with how the school is approaching the kids coming out. Their official policy seems to be to just go with whatever the kids say without informing the parents. If a child says they have a new name and pronouns, the school just rolls with it. They create a scenario in which an already distressed child ends up cycling through four names in six months. I say it seems to be the policy because this policy is no written down or official. My child's name and pronouns were changed by the school without my knowledge. We didn't get so much of as a phone call. When we have been at the school for years, we know the teachers well. We've been active members of the school community. None of this would matter if it was just about flags and fun identities, but it is not. For my daughter, the name and pronoun change, which we foolishly went along with on the advice of a therapist, was a tipping point into depression and self-harm. It has made her miserable. There's a shock. You mean that the suicidal ideation rate among LGBTQ people is about 20% according to most studies. And that when you identify more, but when you cause kids to identify as those identities, that this, you know, radically changes their suicidal ideation rate. I can't believe it. Shocker. When I spoke to the school about the harm they are doing, they would not hear it. They told me they celebrate all identities, that they pride themselves on being inclusive. They cannot see the transgender issue as anything other than fun flags and in inclusivity and respect. They do not see the dark side we parents do. We're trying to protect our kids from bone crushing puberty blockers, from taking cross sex hormones when they're too young to have had sex i having radical surgery on their developing bodies. Some days it feels like we're holding back a tsunami. I guess in the 90s, a lot of us were in anorexic friend groups said one mother. I think the similarities are striking, but there's one major difference. In the 90s, no medical professionals were encouraging these groups of girls in their skewed perceptions of their bodies and their self-harm. No school celebrated an anorexia. This time, the doctors in schools are helping the anorexics to diet. This is exactly correct. Now, but there's one thing that this person doesn't say. I'm pulling my kid out of the school. That's the thing that the parent will never, ever say. And again, This is not uncommon. All of this causes people to lose sleep. So you got those bone brand sheets. I already told you to do that. But now you need a great mattress. This is why you need Helix Sleep. Helix Sleep mattresses are the best mattresses. They just are. I have one at my house. Got one for my parents. I've gotten a couple for two of my sisters. Helix Sleep has a quiz. It takes just two minutes to complete. It matches your body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress for you. Why would you buy a mattress made for someone else? With Helix, you're getting a mattress you know will be perfect for the way you sleep. Everybody's unique. Helix knows that. They have several different mattress models to choose from. We've got soft, medium, and firm mattresses. Mattress is great for cooling you down if you sleep hot. Mattress is great for spinal alignment to prevent morning aches and pains. Even a Helix Plus mattress for plus-size sleepers. I took that Helix Sleep quiz. I was matched with a mattress model that is firm and breathable because, frankly, I tend to get back pain if I'm not on a firm mattress and... I need breathable because I tend to heat up at night. Helix knows that, which is why they made me a mattress that's great just for me. They've got a 10-year warranty. You can try it out for 100 nights risk-free. They'll pick it up for you if you don't love it, but you will. Helix even has financing options and flexible payment plans, so a great night's sleep is never far away. For a limited time, Helix is offering up to 350 bucks off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. That is an amazing deal. It's their best offer yet. Hurry on over to helixsleep.com Ben. That is helixsleep.com Ben. When it comes to progressive schools around the nation and progressive parents around the nation, They're so damned afraid of being labeled judgmental. I mean, God forbid. You might be labeled a Republican or a conservative. Oh my God. You might be labeled a traditionalist or a bigot. Oh my. Well, that means that you must sacrifice your child on the altar of your own virtue signaling. It's really important that you usher your kid into an area of self harm and depression and complete life chaos so that you feel good about yourself, so that the media and your peer group treat you well. God forbid you should pull your kid from that progressive group. You might have to. I mean, if you had to send that kid to a school that suggests. That there is, in fact, a hierarchy of superiority when it comes to sexual relationships. And sexual relationships are not all created morally equal or, more, or, or have similar utilitarian benefit. If you send your kid to a school like that, my God, that would be even worse than a school teaching your daughter that maybe she should have a penis sewn to her. And that, that's how that, you want to talk about radical politics. That's radical politics. That's radical politics. Your politics are so radical, you would sacrifice your child on the altar of gender ideology In order to secure your own feeling of political well-being. Here's another case study for you. And this is, again, from Substack, which is one of the last places you're allowed to talk about this. Quote, on December 30th, 2021, a mother made her second post to the 17,000 members of the trans people and the allies who support them Facebook group. The post was about her seven-year-old daughter's excitement and receiving children's book for Christmas about young girls who transition into boys. She used the hashtag allies and in a comment makes it clear that she and her daughter are not trans. We are just allies. This is December 30th, 2021. Okay, And there are two books. Picture here. Jack, not Jackie. Mary wears what she wants. And here is what this person tweeted. My daughter, seven years, was extremely excited to receive these books for Christmas. And I couldn't have been more proud. Hashtag allies. Hashtag be the change. And then, People tweeted back, so happy and glad you support her. I love seeing parents accept their kids for being trans because my family is super religious and don't support me. So I'm on the trans LGBTQ youth side that suffers from depression and things. Okay, so again, this there's this stupid and ascientific notion that what is chiefly driving the suicidal ideation rates among trans LGBTQ youth, LGBTQ youth, And what's driving that is societal disapproval. No, what's driving that is massive confusion. Confusion that is attendant and coordinated with depression and suicidal ideation as it turns out even areas that are wildly accepting of transgender ideology like San Francisco have extraordinary rates of suicidal ideation and mental illness and depression that are coincident with lgbtq plus minus divided by sign identity okay so january 30th one month later the same parent posts this quote in need of a little advice my daughter 7 years just came to me and said she thinks she wants to be a boy now we are strong LGBTQIA plus allies. And I have always taught her there's absolutely nothing wrong with those feelings. I-, I love, again, all the disclaimers. I'm not a prude. Now, I I am an ally. I'm an ally. It's about me. I'm not a prude. I'm not- I'm an ally. Okay, how about you give a, sh- how about you give a crap about your kid? How about that? How about you stop worrying about how the world perceives you on Facebook and you start worrying about whether you are screwing up your kid for life. But here's what this mother said. I honestly don't think she's a boy inside. <gasps> can't say that. You're up bigot can't say that i want to handle this conversation in a healthy way i do not want to invalidate her feelings or make her feel any shame she was always a very girly girl favorite color has always been pink love dresses and makeup crushes on boys again gender ideology is the most sexist crap imaginable the idea is that if you're a girl who likes dresses this makes you a girl if you're a girl who likes trucks this makes you a boy that's it's ridiculous it's the stupidest nonsense in the entire world it's absolutely stupid i have two girls They both like princesses. They both like trucks. Who cares? Yeah, they're still girls. Insane. Recently, the boy she was crushing on at the beginning of the year has accepted her into his circle more. She likes to play Roblox, so they've bonded over that. Suddenly, her favorite color changed to blue and she's interested in basketball, et cetera. Oh, you mean that kids imitate one? By the way, if your favorite color shifts from pink to blue, this does not make you a boy. She also mentioned she had a crush on a girl she plays Roblox with, but has never met. And we had a discussion about bisexuality with a seven-year-old, bisexuality. How do you, By the way, how do you explain bisexuality to a seven-year-old without explaining the ins and outs of sex? It's in the name bisexuality, explain. She previously only had crushes on boys. Her dad is very anti-LGBTQ, he's bad. I'm good, he's bad. He's very anti all this stuff, which means that he thinks that we should treat her as a girl. But I'm good, which means I think we should screw her up for life. Her dad is very anti-LGBTQIA, believes that my teaching her to be an ally would only create problems. So I'm a tad insecure that I've done something to confuse my kid. And naturally, all the comments that you haven't done anything to confuse your kid. Yeah, yeah, All the comments are things like this. Your son needs you to get past what your dreams for your daughter were. It doesn't matter that you think she isn't a boy. I'm not saying it matters. I'm not saying that to my child either. It's just my personal opinion. Someone says, let it go. I'm saying, let go of your personal opinion. The situation isn't about you. And then of course, One of the comments says, get a gender therapist, support your child's feelings, however, they may remain or change. And if your dad's child can't be supportive, throw him out of the house. This is a cult. And if you refuse to go along with the cult, if you refuse to go along with the fiction, if you refuse to take your own child and trans the kid without any evidence and usher them into this truly confused and when it's when it's targeted kids, purely evil movement, (laughs) if it's targeted kids, it's evil. Anything that is targeted to confuse and destroy the, the notion that boys and girls are different th- things, and you're directing that at small kids, that is an act of evil. When you do that, you a- any parent who doesn't go along with this is now going to be targeted for destruction. By the way, again, we're all supposed to pretend that, that there are no costs to any of the things that the gender ideology movement is engaged in, like hormone replacement therapy, fascinating piece by a woman named Yvonne Penrose over at Reality's Last Stand, talking about how she is a woman who has had same-sex hormones for replacement therapy. And she talks about how, because she had premature ovarian failure, she was given hormone replacement therapy. And she talks about all the various risks. She talks about cancer, blood clots, heart attacks, stroke. And she needed to take this medication for 25 to 30 years at a dose higher than is given to your average granny, just to mimic what my body should have been producing naturally. These are same-sex hormones. Infertility can be treated, but never cured. She talks about all of the cost of hormone replacement therapy. And now you're saying that if you take a normal, healthy girl and you pump her full of testosterone, that's going to have no long-term impact. It's, it's just an incredible act of propaganda. And you must believe. You must believe. You must believe and you must repeat. And you must also ignore the fact that so many of these adults who are seeking validation from kids, some of them, a subset are actively engaged in wanting to have sex with children. Okay, this is, this is not all of them. This is not even near a majority of people who are engaged in gender ideology. I would say most of these people are either confused or have decided in their own narcissistic self-satisfaction that it's important to generate the next generation of supporters by essentially indoctrinating them. But there is a small subset who, in fact, engage with kids because they want to have sex with them. One example of this, an award-winning drag queen, an LGBTQ youth advisor, has now been charged with 25 counts of child pornography. And here's the deal, folks. If the media is allowed to suggest that there is a massive scandal inside the Catholic Church because there are a lot of priests who are molesting little boys, we are allowed to mention the fact that there seem to be a spate of LGBTQ youth activists who are promoting gender ideology to small children and are then getting arrested for things like child pornography. A drag queen performer and LGBTQ plus youth advisor, according to Daily Wire, has been charged with 25 counts of child pornography, allegedly in possession of dozens of photos and videos of nude underage boys sometimes performing oral sex. Bryce Williams, who uses the drag name Anastasia Diamond, allegedly downloaded 49 photos and 25 videos of child pornography between May and December of 2020, according to the Pennsylvania Attorney General's Office. Court documents say the sexually explicit images showed genitalia and boys performing oral sex and were connected to Williams' email address and phone number. Live, a news source serving Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, gushed over the now-charged drag queen last year for being a local activist who spreads pride all year long. Williams, who uses both masculine and feminine pronouns, is HIV medical case manager at Keystone Health Center in Chambersburg, but this month will join Glow Harrisburg, a center that offers a safe space for LGBTQ+, youth of color. I feel like that's not the safest of spaces. Just going to point that out. This doesn't seem like a person who is um, providing a safe space for the LGBTQ+, minus, divided by sign youth. And again, if you refuse to go along with this ideology, that that, that right there is actual grooming. But when we talk about political grooming, that's the bigger problem. If identity, if if all personal things are political, and if you shift the personal, you shift the politics. And this is what the left has realized. And so they must cudgel and beat everybody in the culture into the idea that if you do not just repeat and believe, then you are some sort of terrible person. The latest example of a malice struggle session that is happening is, of course, Macy Gray. So Macy Gray made the terrible, horrible, no good, very bad comment that women and men exist. So she was in an interview with Piers Morgan, and, um, and she said that a woman can be defined as a human being with boobs and a vagina. She also agreed with Piers Morgan that transgender women should not compete in sports she said, I will say this, and everybody's going to hate me, but as a woman, just because you go change your parts doesn't make you a woman. Sorry, I know that for a fact. Like, if you want me to call you a her, I will, because that's what you want, but that doesn't make you a woman, just because I call you a her. She said, being a girl is a whole epic book, and you can't just have that because you want to be a woman. Okay, well, how dare Macy Gray? How dare she? So her original response to the to the Twitter insanity was she posted, all of you coming on my page, threatening me and calling me names just because I said something you don't agree with. Be whatever you want to be and F off. Well, yes, but then someone came to her and informed her that she would be subjected to an unending bout of recriminations and accusations and that the media would cut her off at the knees. And so she had to do the obligatory Maoist struggle session on Hoda and Jenna. We have to go on daytime TV, on the Today Show, and explain she just didn't know that some women have penises. She just didn't know. And now she's learning and now she's becoming and now she's growing into an ally. And by an ally, we mean somebody who will repeat the broadcast nonsense and the abject silliness that men and women are the same and who will now become. A, it's not enough for you to approve of the agenda. You have to become an active champion for the agenda at the expense of uh, everything up to and including small kids. Here's Macy Gray apologizing for the biologically correct view that she holds about men and women. There was a question about trans women and this was what you said in part as a woman just because you go change your parts doesn't make you a woman if you want me to call you a her I will because that's what you want but that doesn't make you a woman just because I call you a her just because you've got a surgery you can call yourself whatever you want there was a wave of of backlash that came as a result Um, just tell me where you are right now on that statement. Well, uh, I never, of course, meant to hurt anybody with with uh, what I said. I'm I'm actually a huge uh, I think it takes a lot of courage to be yourself, to to go out in the world and be honest about who you are. And uh, so I think anyone who is uh, in the LGBT community is a hero and, and sets an example for all of us with that, you know. Set an example. They actually are members, and they set an example for everyone for being themselves, for being for authenticity. Okay, so now she's allowed back in the club. She apologized. She's no longer a bigot. We sh- we struggle sessioned her into compliance. We just have to put like a sign around her neck saying "I am an LGBTQ ally," and then we can actually have her stand out there in front of a massive crowd of people who are chanting shame at her and um and just reenact fully the malice struggle sessions. Among the other people who are now engaging in Mao's struggle sessions, Friends co-creator Marta Kaufman, who is a wild liberal. I know because I actually interviewed her for my book, Primetime Propaganda. She's very much on the left, Marta Kaufman. Marta Kaufman was one of the groundbreaking TV writers who started pushing same-sex weddings, for example. There's a same-sex wedding in Friends very, very early. We were talking about like 2002, 2003. So Marta Kaufman is now apologizing for not being sufficiently woke when she made friends in the 90s because there were jokes. I know there were jokes about Chandler Bing's dad, because Chandler Bing's dad was a transgender woman played by Kathleen Turner, who went by Helena Handbasket and headlined a drag burlesque show in Las Vegas. And she is now expressing her regret and her remorse. She's very bad because she didn't take the time machine back to 1996 when she wrote these episodes. Her regret, she says, is that throughout the run of the show, whenever Helena was mentioned, she was routinely described as Chandler's father and referred to with he, him pronouns. One episode was even titled The One with Chandler's Dad. She said, quote, we kept referring to Helena as Chandler's father, even though Chandler's father was trans, noting that mother might have been more appropriate. Pronouns were not yet something I understood. So we didn't refer to that character as she. That was a mistake. That was a mistake. The entire media infrastructure, the entire institutional infrastructure of this culture is directed at promoting lies. And those lies must be, again, the goal is to cram it down on the kids. And so... It's not a byproduct. It's not like an accidental byproduct that more kids are now identifying as LGBTQ plus minus divided by sign. That is the goal. That is the almost overt goal. When you subsidize something, you shouldn't be shocked when there is more of it. And parents who decide that their own sense of personal political value is so tied up in their ideology, they're willing to sacrifice the mental and physical health of their children to it. Man, oh man, you have chosen the God that you worship and it is not a pretty one. Alrighty, folks, it's that glorious time of the week when I give a shout out to a Daily Wire member today. It's Nicholas Freggia on Twitter who understands proper toddler hydration. In the pic, Nicholas's adorable son is sitting on a couch wearing a fantastic Daily Wire onesie that reads, stay napping, not woke, as he's about to sip from the world's greatest and most elite beverage vessel. The caption reads, thanks to the two big SCOTUS opinions this week, Breyer has had plenty to drink in his real Daily Wire Leftist Tears Tumblr. Hashtag Leftist Tears Tumblr. Yes, if the Supreme Court keeps this up, we may have to offer the Leftist Tears 55-gallon drum. Thanks for the pick. Thanks for being a Daily Wire member. right, folks, you should be a Daily Wire member too. the last week, Left tried to cancel both the 4th of July and our newest Daily Wire Plus team member, Jordan Peterson. On both fronts, they failed harder than Joe Biden on a unicycle. Because no matter how much the Twitter blue checks complain, they can't cancel Dr. Peterson. Not gonna happen. His new series, Dragons, Monsters, and Men, it's out right now exclusively on Daily Wire Plus. Is being met with rave reviews. It's Jordan like you've never seen him before. we have got so much Jordan content coming to you. While the left and really almost all the mainstream media in Hollywood at this point are adamant on demonizing men for daring to be actual men, Jordan Peterson offers a dissenting, vital voice in his four-part series. Jordan gives sage advice for embracing and improving on your nature to achieve greatness, embracing biology to better the human condition. Crazy thought. But that's the kind of radical truth we're bringing you here at Daily Wire Plus. One final note. You'll definitely want to tune in to this week's episode of Sunday Special. My special guest is the author of the world-famous book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Robert Kiyosaki. It's a really interesting conversation about economics and political leadership. Here's just a taste.
1: Humans learn by making mistakes. You know, when you play golf, I'm sure Tiger Woods has hit more bad shots than me. <laughs> He's failed more than me. So when you look at the real reality of the world, the biggest failures are the
0: most successful. They failed their way to success. You can become a member by going to dailywireplus.com right now. You can get 35% off your new membership. Help us build the future you want to see. We're fighting back in entertainment. We're fighting back in culture. We're bringing you the content you're not going to get literally anywhere else. Subscribe at dailywireplus.com. Check out my episode of Sunday Special that comes out this Sunday. Plus, Jordan Peterson's new series, Dragons, Monsters, and Men. That's available, like, right now. You're listening to the largest, fastest-growing conservative podcast and radio show in the nation. (laughs) Meanwhile, according to Breitbart, Joe Biden is jumping full scale into the battle for trans ideology. We know that already because he has his entire HHS militarized in favor of transing the kids. Well, now, apparently, according to Breitbart, an army training slide instructs soldiers to shower with transgender members of the opposite sex, even if they've not undergone a surgical transition. The training slide offers a vignette instructing soldiers on what to do if they encounter a female soldier who identifies as male, according to the Department of Defense's personnel tracking system, known as the Defense Enrollment Eligibility Reporting System, but has not surgically transitioned and still has female genitalia. So if there is a woman who says she's a man and she's showering with the men, well, you're supposed to basically ignore that. And uh, presumably, this also happens to be the same in reverse. If you have a bunch of women who are showering and uh, a man walks in fully disrobed, a la Leah Thomas in the pen locker room then you're just supposed to treat it as normal. Soldiers should be, quote, respectful of the privacy and modesty concerns of others, but transgender soldiers are not required or expected to modify or adjust their behavior based on the fact that they do not, quote-unquote, match other soldiers. This administration is um, so unbelievably radical. Okay, so what are the answers to things like this? One of the answers to things like this is to, on the school level, immediately, get kids out of these public schools. So there are so many public schools that have been taken over by this. I've, I've talked about progressive private schools that promote this kind of crap in Brentwood, but it's not just progressive private schools. It's being taught at nearly every public school for young kids in California. It's literally part of law in California that you have to teach LGBTQ plus minus divided by sign history and propaganda to kids aged K through 12. So we need more school choice, which is why I'm excited that Governor Doug Ducey has now signed the most expansive school choice legislation in history. This is happening over in Arizona. He's, apparently, the money is now going to follow the kids as opposed to following the school. So the idea here is that every family in Arizona should have access to a high quality education with dedicated teachers, is according to Doug Ducey, it ensures that all Arizona K through 12 students will now be eligible for scholarship funds to access the education that best fits their unique needs. House Majority Leader Ben Thomas said in Arizona, we fund students, not systems, because we know one size does not fit all students. So, massive school choice is definitely one solution to this. The other solution is just one iota of courage, folks. One iota of courage to put your kids before your own sense of political well being with your peers. Because that's what they're going to ask of you. They will ask of you your children. And I understand that we're a culture that has basically decided that children are secondary. And when I say that we've decided children are secondary to sexual narcissism, what I mean is that our entire culture, for example, on the abortion issue, has decided that the most important thing that women have is the ability to have sex with as many men, presumably if you're worried about procreation, as they want without the possibility of getting pregnant or if they do get pregnant, being able to dispose of the baby as quickly as humanly possible. Because absolutely, and under any circumstance, not even quickly, I mean, late in the pregnancy if they want. The most important thing is that sense of sexual freedom. That is the most important thing, which is why you have people like Meghan Markle, who's just the worst. Meghan Markle is now promoting a woman power necklace to support Planned Parenthood. Uh, The necklace is both hideous and directly on the nose. The necklace appears to depict a hand reaching into a uterus and crushing a baby. I mean, that's how I read this. I understand what this is supposed to be. It's supposed to be the female symbol, the Venus symbol, and then like the black power fist or just the political power fist. But what it actually looks like is a hand jabbing into the womb and crushing something. That's what it looks with an upside down satanic cross. So it looks like it's really all the things. Meghan Markle. It's really, really great because never miss an opportunity to market yourself off the death of unborn children. The uh, necklaces are going to be the woman power necklace is 140 to 150 bucks. It was worn by the Duchess of Sussex during the 2021 Vax Live event. All proceeds will be donated to Planned Parenthood. She says that this cause is close to her heart. She says, quote, we have to band together and not wallow What happens with our bodies is so deeply personal, which can also lead to silence and stigma, even though so many of us deal with personal health crises. The more we normalize conversation about the things that affect our lives and bodies, the more people are going to understand how necessary it is to have protections in place. Oh, so heroic, so heroic. By the way, I am enjoying that uh, this brand also has necklaces that uh, pay tribute to Ruth Bader Ginsburg, which is pretty hysterical because if Ruth Bader Ginsburg could actually retired when she was supposed to, then it's possible Roe versus Wade would still be on the books. So I do love the idea that they are wearing around like a St. Christopher medal of Ruth Bader Ginsburg that um, neglects the fact that it is because she refused to step down that you ended up with a uh, Republican Supreme Court in the majority. So there's that as well. Meanwhile, by the way, there are things that you're not allowed to say in public culture, which is why Andrew Schultz, the comedian, had his anti-woke special pulled from Netflix. He made some jokes that seemed to be pro-life that was that was too much here is andrew schultz commenting on this
1: basically my special was with a streamer and uh then we sent the streamer a finished version of the special and they kind of freaked out and they said you know we can't put this out you know these jokes are wild and uh we don't want to deal with the backlash so you're gonna have to edit some of these jokes or just cut some of these jokes out entirely long story short Um, I took my life savings and I bought my special back. I think people like real, authentic comedy, and uh, I think that they would prefer that than some watered-down corporate boardroom bullshit. I feel that way because I perform in front of thousands of people every single night, and. They seem to really enjoy these jokes that are too offensive or could cause too much uh, backlash.
0: By the way, culturally, too offensive for Andrew Schultz to tell jokes. I've seen the jokes that he's talking about on abortion. And yeah, there are some that are pretty pro-choice and there are a bunch that are kind of pro-life. Those jokes are too much. Our, Our culture has standards. So that's really bad. And Netflix can't have that on there. They can have things like cuties in which a bunch of prepubescent teens shake their asses at the camera. That's okay, But Netflix definitely cannot have Andrew Schultz on making jokes about how when women go to an abortion clinic, they are killing an unborn human being, which is precisely what they are doing when they go to an abortion clinic. Other aspects of the culture that apparently are totally fine. So Coldplay, which I am informed is a band of some notoriety. Uh, Coldplay did a concert recently at which... Apparently, they paid tribute to Louis Farrakhan, who's one of the world's worst anti-Semites. This made pretty much zero national news because, after all, you can be Roger Waters and pay tribute to basically Hamas, and it's totally fine. Pop culture, man, where the evil th- where the evil thrive. So uh, here is Coldplay doing just that. Play this is for my brother Louis and his brothers. Play this is for my brother Louis and his brothers. I don't like it. Let's stop it. Let's stop it. I, said, I don't play like this. this. To my brother as I said, and, uh, we're playing this for so my brother, Lewis. There's so many people in here today and, um, so who help other we're people. For them. I'm playing this for them. Ah, paying tribute to uh, Lewis Farrakhan. Yes, our, our, ours is a society with standards. We must force people who wrote sitcoms in the 1990s to apologize for mentioning that men are not women, like Marta Kaufman. And uh, we must force Macy Gray to apologize. Uh, but we, we must definitely make sure that no one is, is ever met with any cultural consequence for you know, overtly approving of wild anti-Semitism. So that is very, very exciting stuff. Okay, meanwhile, in other news, apparently Joe Biden has now signed some sort of executive order that is meant to make abortion pills more available. The executive order doesn't really do all that much in practice. It's mostly just a, it's mostly a symbolic attempt to say to his base, leave me alone. According to CNN, Biden is expected to sign the executive order during a Roosevelt Room ceremony Friday morning. VP Kamala Harris is scheduled to attend as well. There's no action the president can take to restore the nationwide right to abortion in the wake of the Supreme Court ruling because there was never a right to abortion that was made up by the Supreme Court in the first place. Democrats and advocates have been pressuring the White House to take a stronger stance to codify abortion access. Friday's executive order will prompt Health and Human Services Secretary Xavier Becerra to take steps to ensure access to abortion, including FDA-approved medication abortion and expanded access to the full range of reproductive health services, according to an administrative fact sheet shared with CNN. Those services include emergency contraception and long-acting reversible contraception like IUDs. So the HHS can't really do much, but it's the White House signaling. Other signals that the White House is giving, apparently, for a long time here, we have been paying, like you and I, the taxpayers of the United States, have been paying to transport illegal immigrants who are pregnant across state lines to have abortions. This is according to Reuters. So Reuters reported this yesterday, sort of buried in this article. Last week, calls from Texas began flooding into a national abortion assistance hotline with Spanish language operators. One woman called, afraid to fly to New Mexico because of her immigration status. Another woman said she'd have to keep her pregnancy because she feared deportation if she crossed state lines. A third worried she'd be detained by immigration authorities if she used public transportation to travel. While concerns are rising among many women in the wake of the Roe v. Wade overruling, women with uncertain immigration status face additional barriers, and everyone from abortion providers to U.S. government agencies have been scrambling to determine what will happen going forward. The administration of U.S. President Joe Biden has pledged to defend the rights of women to travel to other states for medical care. Biden officials are exploring ways to provide abortion access for pregnant women and girls in U.S. immigration custody in states with bans. Four U.S. officials who requested anonymity to discuss the government plan told Reuters, Many federal shelters for unaccompanied children are apprehended at the U.S.-Mexico border are located in Texas. For the past nine months, U.S. health officials have been flying or driving minors from Texas to other states for abortions. So not only are we um, leaving our border wide open, we are also taking people we actually have in custody. We are spending taxpayer dollars to drive them across the border of Texas in order so that they can kill their unborn kids. Amazing, amazing. Well, at least you know that this administration has the priorities of the American people in mind. That is solid stuff there from the Biden administration, always doing the moral thing. Okay, Speaking of Joe Biden always doing the moral thing, Joe Biden handed out some medals of freedom yesterday. So I got to say the the medals of freedom are are, they're they're stupid. It's the dumbest thing in the world. The, The medal of freedom has basically just become I have some friends. What if I pretend that the United States wants to give them a medal? And that's Essentially, most of these are. Some people deserve the Medal of Freedom who get them, and then some people, yeah, not so much. So Joe Biden decided that it would be worthwhile to give a Medal of Freedom to the most privileged human being who has ever walked the earth, Megan Rapino. I mean that Megan Rapino went to a private school. She grew up wealthy. She plays a sport no one watches, but we all pretend to care about for five minutes every four years. She protests the American flag. She pretends that she's underpaid for, again, playing a sport no one cares about and in which she would be beaten by a bunch of junior high boys and has been beaten by a bunch of junior high boys. And then she bids. About being discriminated against. And Joe Biden gives her a medal. That's pretty much the Democratic Party in a nutshell, right there. Here is Joe Biden giving a, um, giving a medal to Megan Rapino for the great sacrifices she has made on behalf of never having made a sacrifice in her entire life about anything meaningful.
1: World Cup champion, Olympic gold medalist, named the world's best women's soccer player, Megan Rapino is one of America's great athletes. Known for her creative play and leadership, she also leads with a fierce will off the field.
0: Uh, a champion fierce.
1: protecting the rights of fellow LGBTQI plus Americans. A leader on the US women's soccer national team, perhaps the most dominant of any team in any sport in their successful fight for oh. equal pay.
0: Um, Megan I'm-
1: Rapinoe challenges and inspires millions of people who believe in themselves no. and the possibilities of our nation.
0: She's such a poser. Oh, she's terrible. The winking. And, uh. It's the most successful team in any sport except for high school boys soccer. And she's she is a true hero. But that, that wasn't the only hero that uh, Joe Biden gave an award to. So Joe Biden also gave a nurse a Medal of Freedom. Now, listen, nurses do amazing work. My wife's a doctor. She does amazing work as well. This nurse, however, did something truly extraordinary. She got a shot. This is New York City nurse, Sandra Lindsay. She got a Medal of Freedom yesterday. And uh, the tribute to her is that she got the first COVID vaccine. She got the first COVID vaccine. And this is why she's getting a Medal of Freedom. According to the New York Post, she received her first dose of the Pfizer BioNTech vaccine December 14th, 2020, after the Trump administration pushed out vaccines through Operation Warp Speed. So actually, she got her dose under Trump. She went on to get her second shot January 4th, again, before Trump left office. And um, apparently this was some sort of because because why? So I'm confused. She was picked, obviously, because she was the first person to get the shot. But this seems like a giant messaging fail. The reason it seems like a giant messaging fail is because either it was a tremendous gift to get the first shot or she's a heroic person who sacrificed her body in the name of science. We were told that the vaccines are safe and effective, which means that actually she should be paying the government to have been the first person to get the shot, you would think, right? Like we we're all supposed to be clamoring for the shot. And, and for my parents, they did clamor for the shot. They wanted to get the shot like ASAP because they're above the age of 60. Should they get a medal as well? Like this is a giant messaging fail. Either it's heroic to receive the vaccine because it's actually risky to get the vaccine or it's not only not heroic, it is something you should actively see because it's actually good for you, the vaccine. So I'm not sure why, like, again, she seems like a very nice person. I'm glad she's a nurse. There are lots of nurses across the country, did a lot of wonderful work during COVID. But the reason she was picked is not because she's a nurse. The reason she was picked is because she got the first COVID vaccine. I don't know why you get a medal for getting the COVID vaccine. Hundreds of millions of Americans have gotten the COVID vaccine at this point. And again, it was supposed to be not risky, but good. So if your messaging is that the vaccine is good, it's not heroic to receive it. And if your messaging is that it's heroic to receive it, then it's not good. So again, giant messaging fails on behalf of the Biden administration, but of course, Joe Biden is no longer with us. So Joe Biden gave a medal of freedom to John McCain. Again, the goal here is to pretend that Joe Biden is some sort of wonderful bipartisan actor. Uh, So here is Joe Biden talking at length about John McCain and how John McCain was the best. Uh, He seems to have forgotten the fact that he ran directly against John McCain in 2008 and suggested that he was an angry old man who shouldn't be president because he was bad. We used to argue like hell on the Senate floor. But then we go down and have lunch together afterwards,
1: as you remember. We ran against each other, which I didn't like, on tickets to the highest office in the land. I was a candidate for vice president. He was the candidate for president. I never stopped admiring John. Never said a negative
0: thing about him in my life because I knew his honor, his courage, and his commitment. He never said a negative thing about him in his life? Um, actually, that is not true. "Quote: You can't call yourself a maverick when all you've ever been is a sidekick." Also, he suggested that uh, John McCain is was an angry man, an angry man. Again, this is all stuff that he said in two thousand eight, but he never said a bad thing about John McCain, like ever, ever. Yeah, this presidency, what what a success! There was one other attendee that we should mention here at the um, at the Medal of Freedom award ceremony, and that was the greatest living American, Hunter Biden, the smartest person that Joe Biden knows. Now, to be fair, we don't have footage of Hunter Biden at this particular event snorting Parmesan cheese off the carpet, nor do we have actual footage of him attempting to take bribes while he's actually in this room. But the fact that Hunter Biden, who is uh, apparently currently under federal investigation, is just hanging out here is such a tone (laughs) deaf, a tone deaf would would characterize this administration for sure. Here is uh, a little footage of the greatest living American, Hunter Biden. Oh, there he is. He's just hanging out over there, Hunter Biden. He's the best. By the way, Joe will answer no questions as to what he knew about Hunter's business activities, despite being caught on a voicemail talking about Hunter's business activities. Oh, the Medal of Freedom. Our country is in the best of hands. Things are going just phenomenally well. Alrighty, We'll be back here later today with some additional content. First, you can't forget to end your week by tuning into The Andrew Clavin Show. Drew's shows every Friday. He's got an exciting evening planned for you. Head on over to dailywire.com, 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Central. Tune in. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe to the show. Help spread the word about The Ben Shapiro Show by giving us a five-star review and sharing the show with a friend. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to check out some of our other Daily Wire shows. The Ben Shapiro Show is produced by Bradford Carrington. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Supervising producer, Mathis Glover. Production manager, Pavel Wydowski. Associate producer, Savannah Dominguez-Morris. Editor, Adam Saievitz. Audio mixer, Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup artist and wardrobe, Fabiola Cristina, Production coordinator, Jessica Kranz. The Ben Shapiro Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright, Daily Wire 2022.
1: Hey everybody, this is Andrew Claven,
0: host of the Andrew Clavin Show. You know, some people are depressed because the Republic is collapsing, the end of days is approaching, and the moon's turned to blood. But on the Andrew Clavin Show, that's where the fun just gets started. So come on over to the Andrew Claven Show and laugh your way through the fall of the Republic with me, Andrew Claven.